going to just do a special. Uh, this is a song we wrote, and it's just with the idea that we have died to ourselves and we're living for Christ now. So that's kind of the message of the song, and I hope you like it. I won't wait to get hit by the grave digger's dirt. I won't wait until the preacher gives his last words. I won't wait until the undertaker arrives. We want to die like we know that we still have got the time. I'm a dead man walking and I'm feeling just fine A dead man talking and it's more than a sign A dead man breathing for the very first time A dead man living but my life ain't mine I won't wait till I'm laying six feet underground I won't wait for the last funeral bell to sound I won't wait until my heart beat flat lines We want to die like we know that we still have got the time Cause I'm a dead man walking and I'm feeling just fine A dead man talking and it's more than a sign a dead man breathing for the very first time A dead man living but my life ain't mine To call us out from where we've been To die to self is to live again Every day has got to be More of you and less of me You call us out from where we've been to die to self is with again. Every day has got to be more of you and less of me. Cause I'm a dead man walking and I'm a dead man talking. A dead man breathing. A dead man living. And I'm feeling just fine A dead man talking and it's more than a sign A dead man breathing for the very first time A dead man living but my life ain't mine You call us out from where we've been To die to self is to live again Every day has got to be more of you and less of me Cause I'm a dead man walking And I'm a dead man talking A dead man breathing A dead man living But my life ain't mine
Amen. Amen. You may not know this, uh, Nathan, who was uh, playing the guitar, leading uh, the group this morning, actually was baptized in our church when he was about this this big. Uh, his mom and dad, Travis and Dina Hurley, raise your hand. Uh, <clears throat> Several years ago, uh, attended our church. Travis has been in the ministry, and he was finishing up a ministry and kind of had a break time, and, and they came here, drove over here from El Dorado Springs, Missouri. And uh, during that time, Nathan and his sister was baptized here, and then he went on to uh, the Washington, D.C. area and, and led a church there for a number of years, and now is at Ozark Christian College. And, uh, so... Glad to have you guys. We're in John chapter 10 today. Uh, if you would turn there, we're going to spend some time there. This is one of those chapters that I really hope that you will become familiar with if you are not familiar with it already. It paints for us a picture of Jesus that we don't want to miss. I, I will remind you, John chapter 4, Jesus is called living water. You drink from him, he will satisfy your thirsty soul. John chapter 6, he is referred to as the bread of life. He is the true bread that has come down out of heaven to this earth. John chapter 8, he is the light of the world. John chapter 11, he is the resurrection and the life. John chapter 14, he is the way, the truth, and the life. In John chapter 15, Jesus is the true vine. All of these different names that are attributed to Jesus give to us an idea of who he is. And sandwiched in between all of these chapters of John's writing is chapter 10, where Jesus is referred to as the Good Shepherd. That's where we're going to be at today. I have to admit to you. I know very little about sheep, but what I have read this last week and over the years, I have heard different preachers preach on the subject of John chapter 10. They have talked about sheep, and this is the description that would come in my mind of what sheep are like. Sheep are unintelligent. In fact, uh, one of the sources that I was reading this last week said, out of all the animals on the earth, sheep seem to have got the short end of the stick when it comes to intelligence. I also have read, and I've heard this through the years, that sheep are defenseless. They are easy picking for any kind of predator. Something else about sheep, they are fearful. I was listening to Mark Moore uh, teach in his classroom. You can hear this online. He was teaching his classroom of students there at Ozark on the subject of John chapter 10, Jesus the Good Shepherd. And he was talking about how fearful sheep are. He said, in fact, uh, if sheep are walking along a pathway, about anything can frighten them, such as if a gopher would stick its head up out of the ground from a hole The sheep that would be right there next to that gopher would jump out of fear. And he said every sheep following behind would jump, whether they saw the gopher or not. Because the first sheep jumps, the ones behind jump too. 
which say to me that sheep not only are fearful, they are also followers. And you might want to look this up and just read about it on on uh, Google it. I did it this last week. I have, I have heard I had heard a story about sheep and being followers. And, and this one particular story is just amazing to me. It, it, it's a true incident. It happened in Turkey in the year 2005. One sheep walked to the edge of a cliff and walked right off of the cliff, plummeting to its death. The next one followed to the edge of the cliff, walked off of the cliff, plummeted to its death, 1,500 sheep, one after the other, went over the edge. The first 450 of them died. But after that, the next 1,050 that went over the edge, there had become such a cushion down below that they actually survived the fall. Amazing. Did I, did I mention to you that sheep are dumb animals? They are. Not only are they followers, they are also wanderers. In other words, they are prone to wander away from the flock, and once they are lost, they are not smart enough to find their way back home. They need for somebody, namely the shepherd, to come and find them and rescue them. I read this, too. Once a sheep gets on its back, that sheep is in trouble, particularly if it's laying in a crevice. If all four legs get up in the air, somebody has to come and rescue that sheep. It cannot get up from that position. It's weak and it's helpless. Now, you put all of that together in this description of what sheep are like, does it surprise you then that Jesus refers to us as sheep? Isn't it true that we are weak and defenseless before the evil one, particularly if we don't tie in with the good shepherd and have his protection? Isn't it true that we are prone to wander from the flock from the good shepherd, from the truth. And isn't it true that we are a fearful people? Whether we like to admit it or not, sometimes we just are not very smart. We need the good shepherd to come and to help us, to rescue us from our desperate state. I want to share with you this morning just some some points that I think will be helpful to us in understanding Jesus the Good Shepherd and the fact of how much we, the sheep, need Him. First point would be this. The shepherd knows the sheep and the sheep know His voice. Let me read to you a few verses that emphasize this. John chapter 10, beginning with verse 3, reading through verse 5. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Look down at verse 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd... 
And I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. You read this, you, you, you sense there is definitely a familiarity between the shepherd and his sheep. Uh, I, I want to read to you from a book. It's entitled, The Good Shepherd and His Sheep. The author, Philip Keller, was born in East Africa, and he, for many years, was a shepherd, and he is one who definitely knows sheep. I will quote from him. He says this, The relationship which rapidly develops between a shepherd and the sheep under his care is to a definite degree dependent upon the use of the shepherd's voice. Sheep quickly become accustomed to their owner's particular voice. They are acquainted with its unique tone. They know its pe peculiar sounds and inflections. They can distinguish it from any other person. If a stranger should come among them, they would not recognize nor respond to his voice in the same way they would to that of the shepherd. Even if the visitor should use the same words and phrases as that of their rightful owner, they would not react in the same way. It is a case of becoming actually conditioned to the familiar nuances and personal accent of their shepherd's call. It used to amaze and intrigue visitors to my ranches to discover that my sheep were so indifferent to their voices. Occasionally, I would invite them to call my sheep using the same words and phrases which I habitually employed, but it was to no avail. The ewes and lambs and even the rams would simply stand and stare at the newcomers in rather blank bewilderment as if to say, who are you? <laughs> I could say that my kids responded to my voice sometimes in that way. <laughs> my wife would say sometimes I respond to her voice in that way. But in this particular case, the shepherd and the sheep, you sense they are closely connected with one another. I was reading in another part of this book that in the early morning when the shepherd would arrive at the pen where the sheep were kept overnight, that he would, he would be talking to them before he ever got to the sheep pen. And they would hear his voice. Maybe he would be whistling and they would recognize that. In doing so, he would be alerting the sheep that he was coming and his voice would have a calming effect upon the entire flock. And if a stranger came to the pen and was speaking to the sheep, maybe even in using the same words, the sheep would not recognize the stranger's voice and the sheep would become very nervous and they would flee away from the stranger. The shepherd's voice was known by the sheep. And how about this? The shepherd knew the sheep by name. Every one of them was individually known by the shepherd. When he arrived at the gate, he could call to the sheep by name, and the sheep would come to him, and he would lead them out of the pen. Let me read to you again from what Keller writes about this topic. He says, during the years when my family and I lived among the, the people of East Africa, I was deeply moved by the intense devotion and affection shown by the owners for their stock. Out in the grazing lands or beside the watering places, they would call their pets by name, and it was sheer joy to watch their response 
as they came to the shepherd's call to be examined, handled, petted, and adored. Some of these sheep had literally grown up as members of the family household. From their earliest days, they had been cuddled, hugged, fed, and loved like one of the owner's own children. Every minute, minute detail of their lives was well known and fully understood. Do you remember the story of David? As he had sinned with Bathsheba and he had Bathsheba's husband Uriah murdered, David kept quiet about his sin. And eventually God sent Nathan, a prophet, to David to speak to him, to to bring him a story. And the story was of a poor shepherd who had one little ewe lamb. You can read this in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 3, where Nathan says to, to David, But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom and was like a daughter to him. Now I'd say that's a pretty good connection between the shepherd and the sheep. And I'm sure this little sheep had a name. You know, I, I want, are you getting the picture here of the relationship between Jesus the good shepherd and the sheep? And, and you and I are the sheep. Jesus wants to have a relationship with us. Our good shepherd knows us by name. In fact, he knows every detail about our life. He knows our fears. He knows our needs. He knows our hurts. And if we will listen to his voice, it will bring a calm to us and a peace. I want to encourage you to pursue this relationship with your good shepherd. And know this, a relationship takes two sides. He's doing his part. He's reaching out to us. He's waiting for us to call to him. And when we do, he will be easily found. There is nothing, hear me say this, there is nothing so fulfilling and rewarding as having a personal relationship with your good shepherd. Let me give to you a second point. The good shepherd leads the sheep. John chapter 10, verse 4 from the NIV, it says this, When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Note the good shepherd is leading his sheep. He's not driving them. And because he cares about them, where is it that he's going to lead them to? He's going to lead them to fresh water. He's going to lead them to green pasture. He's going to lead them down a safe path to walk. And if they will stay with him, he will lead them safely back home. But we've already said that sheep are pretty dumb animals. And so even though the shepherd is going to lead them to such good places, sometimes the sheep wander away and that's when they get into trouble. And surely there are some lessons here for us to learn. 
First, the good shepherd, Jesus, wants to lead us. And it would be to our benefit if we would follow him, if we would stay with him. Where is it that he's going to lead us? He's going to lead us towards holiness. Our good shepherd is going to lead us towards spiritual maturity. He will lead us to forgive. He will lead us to love and to make right decisions. He will lead us to repent. He will lead us as we walk through the valleys of life. Every single one of us here go through the valleys from time to time. And we can, un- we can understand from this story, Jesus, our good shepherd, wants to lead us through the valleys and up onto the other side. He will lead us to life. That's, that's what... Jesus says there in verse 10, John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Do you want abundant life? Do you want life to the full? Then follow the good shepherd and know too that he will ultimately lead you to heaven. So why would any of us be like dumb sheep and wander away from the pathway? To wander away is to hurt ourselves. And quite possibly, as we wander, the ones who are behind us might wander. Because sheep are followers. And I'm thinking mainly of our children in this instance. If we wander, then it's very possible that our children will wander. If we decide that Jesus isn't so important to us or his church, then not only are we affecting our own lives and our own eternity, but we're liable to be leading our children down a Christless road and a Christless eternity. We walk off the cliff, it's very possible that our own children will follow us off the cliff. And so that makes it so important, so very important, that we stay in connection with the Good Shepherd, that we stay on His path and follow Him. I think we all would agree it sounds silly for a sheep to reason in his own mind and say that he's smarter than the shepherd he's he's going to go his own way apart from the shepherd you know when a when a sheep goes his own way he's going to get lost one of two things is going to happen he's going to get lost or he's going to become supper for some predator it's it's going to be bad news for that sheep if he gets away from the shepherd. And it's no different when we, the sheep, decide that we are going to wander away from the good shepherd who is leading us. If we wander away, we are destined for trouble. We are destined for bad news. We are destined for destruction. So might I encourage you, my fellow sheep, to follow the good shepherd all the way to heaven's gates. Don't lose sight of him. Don't let go of him. He will lead you all the way home. Let me give to you a third point from this passage of Scripture. 
the good shepherd protects the sheep. And one way that the shepherd protects the sheep is by building a pen for them, or a corral, you might say, so that at night they can circle up together in that corral and be protected. Let me read to you from John 10 again, verses 1 and 2. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. Over the Christmas time, I was out in the state of Oregon visiting my brother, and a couple of different times I saw flocks of sheep. And both times that I saw them, they were contained by a nicely built fence. Lots of fence posts and lots of tightly strung fencing wire, that woven wire that that you see often uh, even around here. That's what they were contained by. The the sheep pen in Jesus' day would not have looked anything like that. Probably it would have been made of rock piled on top of rock. Shepherd would have had to spend some time and put some hard labor into building that pen. He would have gathered rock from the countryside and just stacked it on top of each other. And then on top of the rock, you would probably find such just just stuff that, that he could grab from the countryside. Bramble bushes, uh, uh, tree limbs, just thorn bushes, anything that he could get to put on top of the rock wall that would discourage predators from coming up over the wall and into the sheep pen. And there was one gate in that pen. If you read on here in chapter 10 of John, he compares or he actually contrasts the the shepherd with the hireling. Now, Now, if a shepherd had the money to pay someone to stay with the sheep overnight, he would be called a hireling. And that hireling would lay himself across that gate. And and if, if the shepherd didn't have money to hire somebody to do that, the shepherd himself would stay there. But, but in John 10, there's a great contrast between the hireling and the shepherd. And it's if, if there's a predator that comes and there's danger, Jesus said oftentimes the hireling would run away because he has no investment in the sheep. But the good shepherd, he lays his body across the gate and he fights to the death to protect his sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. Once the sheep are out into the pasture, the shepherd has different ways to try to bring protection to the sheep. He has a staff in his hand, and he can use that as a weapon to fight off the wild animals. Or maybe you remember again the story of David. We would learn from that that sometimes shepherds would perfect their skill with a stone and a sling. 
And such was the case with David. He had become quite a marksman with a sling and a stone. He boasted to King Saul that he had killed a lion and a bear that had come against his sheep. And we all know what he had done with the giant Goliath. He had put that stone right where he wanted it to go to bring that giant down. The shepherd had to protect his sheep. They were his livelihood. He loved the sheep. He was willing to lay down his life trying to protect the sheep. You sense the lessons that are there for us as we consider Jesus being the good shepherd? He protects his sheep, particularly he protects us from the evil one. The devil is like a roaring lion, Peter wrote, seeking whom he may devour. Jesus intends to protect us from the evil one. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape so that you also can endure. He wants to protect us from the evil one. There is no temptation that is too difficult for him to protect us from that. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says this, The Lord is faithful and He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. If it wasn't for the good shepherd, you and I, His sheep, would be devoured by the lion, Satan. The good shepherd went so far as to lay down his life for the sheep. Let me read to you from verse 11 and verse 18 out of John chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 18, no one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. You know, if somebody loves you, If somebody lays down their life for you, they love you dearly. Jesus laid down his life for us. And on the third day, he raised up from the dead. And by that, he stripped the devil of his most potent weapon, which was death. Brothers and sisters, the good shepherd wants to protect us from the evil one. Whatever you're tempted with. He can protect you from it. He is stronger. Anger? Are you tempted to become angry and have that anger get out of control? Jesus wants to protect you. He wants to deliver you from that temptation. Is Is it lust? Is it bitterness? Is it greed? Whatever it is that you are tempted with, He is stronger and He is able to deliver you if you will give yourself fully to Him. Now, if you tend to be that sheep that wanders, he'll try to draw you back. And his staff has a hook on it, and he'll use it for that purpose to try try and draw you back into the right path. And the Scripture says that he'll even leave the 99 
who are safe to go and try to find the one who is lost. He loves you that much. You matter to him that much. And when he finds you, he will try to draw you back. But if you don't want to come back, he won't force you. If you're bent on wandering, that's ultimately your choice. It's a choice, though, you need to understand. It will end in death. You can be guaranteed of that. A sheep that has wandered away from the flock, that has wandered away from the pathway of truth and the good shepherd, that sheep will not survive. So if... If a sheep, if a sheep determines that they are going to wander from the Good Shepherd, you are inviting death to yourself. Spiritual death for all eternity. I have a couple of insights to give to you before I close. One would be simply this. Sheep can get so dirty and stinky. <laughs> I was reading about them this week, and, and this source said that their skin is oily, and the oil gets on the wool, and that just enhances this, this ability for the sheep to attract all kinds of dirt and, and leaves and grass, and all of this gets, gets hung up in their wool, and, and cockaburs and stick tights. You know, this image that we have of the beautiful, white, fluffy sheep that we often see at the local fair, it's not really a realistic picture of most sheep. Those sheep have to be taken by somebody and be cleaned up. Guess what? We are all dirty, smelly sheep due to our sin. And only the good shepherd can clean us up from our sin problem. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says this. Come now. This is God speaking through the prophet. He's, he's inviting his sheep to come to him. He says, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Good news for you today. The good shepherd can clean you up if you let him. And the second insight is simply this. For Jesus to say, I am the good shepherd, you know what he was saying? He was saying, I am God. For, and, and this was something that was very clear to the people in John chapter 10, the Jewish people who heard him, they knew exactly what he was saying. Because they understood that the, the shepherd of Israel in the Old Testament was none other than God himself. The Lord is my shepherd, says Psalms 23. And so for Jesus to make this very bold claim, this statement that he is the good shepherd... The Jewish leaders didn't miss it. They knew exactly what he was saying, and they didn't like it even a little bit. Let me read to you 
their response. Verse 19 of John chapter 10 says this, A division occurred among, again, among the Jews because of these words. A division occurred. That's, that's an understatement. Because take a look at verse 31. When Jesus has finished his discourse on saying, I am the good shepherd, it says the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. They were ready to kill him. And the only reason they didn't get the job done on that day is it was not yet his time. But his time was not far off. It was coming soon. We were within six months of Jesus' death. The battle would get more and more intense as the weeks would go by. But be sure of this. When, they, when that time comes, it's not going to be that they take his life. It's going to be rather that he lays it down. Because that's what the good shepherd does for his sheep. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your son Jesus. He is the good shepherd. And if we will simply follow him, we understand that he has so many blessings for us. outside of his care there is the devil and we are open season for him so Lord I just pray for every person here to determine to stay hold of Jesus to stay in the fold to not wander And Lord, I thank you that your arms are open to any person who would want to be a part of that fold. Jew and Gentile alike. So Lord, if there's anyone here today that's not a part of the fold, I pray that you would be working on their heart. I thank you for Cassidy's decision earlier to join the fold of Jesus be washed clean. May there be others who will follow her example. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Let's stand together.
design and where you invest your love you invest your life in these bodies we will live in these bodies we will die and where you invest your love you invest your life